right, if you've uh, got your Bibles, I want to ask you to go ahead and turn to the book of First Samuel in the Old Testament. And um, I would have thought we'd start with uh, somewhat of a, a story that you might find uh, funny. You may have heard this before, uh, but there was a, a homeless person who passed away, and there was um, a person who really took pity on him that had some type of contact with him and arranged for him to be buried up in the hills of West Virginia at a pauper's cemetery. And so um, the man always wanted to have a bagpipe player at his funeral. So this man arranged for a bagpipe player, a person who plays the bagpipe, I guess they're called a bagpipe player, to go and play at this man's cemetery. Well, the cemetery was a pauper cemetery. It was up in the hills, kind of in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia. So in making the arrangements, he, he was talking to the man who plays the bagpipe, and he says, it's, it's up in the cemetery, you go up this road. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I think I know where that's at. No problem. I said, okay. So he arranged the time, the day, and everything. The guy gets his bagpipe in his car. He's driving up, and he makes a wrong turn, and he gets lost. He cannot find the cemetery. He's driving all over the place trying to find the cemetery. He's 45 minutes late. Finally, he rounds the corner, and he sees over in a, in a field there's a mound of dirt and obviously a hole, and then he sees the workers over there as well, the guys who have dug the hole. And he goes, oh, okay, I found it. But there's no one else there, just the workers. So he doesn't really know what to do at this point. You know, there's no pastor there or anybody speaking, and so he, he gets his bagpipe out of his car, and he, and he goes over there, and sure enough, he looks down into the hole that, you know, the cover's already on the vault there, and he goes, well, I, I don't really know what to do. So he started playing his bagpipe. And, of course, he played with everything that he had, all the emotion, all the strength that he had, played every song that he knew. And finally, he got around to amazing grace. Well, the, the workers who were over at the truck eating lunch were just really moved by this uh, display of love and appreciation. They actually came and gathered around the hole and, and were just kind of standing there in, in reverence. And the man played the amazing grace on the bagpipe, and he finished. He didn't, again, he didn't know really what to do. He said a quick prayer, said amen, and he heads back to his car. As he's putting his bagpipe into the car, he hears one of the workers talking to another worker. He says, I'll tell you, that is one of the most moving experiences I've ever had in my life, and I've been installing septic tanks for 20 years. I love that joke because there's always two or three different sets of laughter in that. It, all, it kind of flows. Well, the Word tells us that whatever we do, we're to do it to the glory of God. We're to do it with all of our might, with all of our strength, and to honor God with what we do. I see that within our church here at Hope Crossings, and I see that within our community, that what we do, we're doing to the glory of God. Even though we're human, we make mistakes, but we press on and we do what we do to the glory of God, whether it's a school teacher or whether we're working for a company or working for ourselves in our own company or volunteering, whatever we do, we're doing it to the glory of God. And it always takes courage to do the right thing. It takes courage to persevere. It takes courage to keep moving forward, no matter what, in the face of all the obstacles and face of even discouragement, we move forward. We see that Noah had courage to build, and Abraham had courage to believe, Moses had courage to lead, Nathan had courage to speak, 
Nehemiah had courage to repair, Abigail had courage to intercede, and Esther had courage to stand. And you and I experience courage, and we utilize courage as we're moving forward and facing the obstacles that we face, persevering to see the glory of God realized in our life and through our lives. Today, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter number 17, and we're going to look kind of at the story of David and Goliath. Now, when we talk about courage, we've got to go to David and Goliath, right? We think about how tremendous courage it took for David to overcome Goliath. But yet, I don't really want to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what happened before David killed Goliath. Because that's when we begin to understand David's real courage. That's when we begin to understand what is it that led this man, this young man, to accomplish something so great. Every one of us faces a giant sooner or later and many times throughout our lives in various places. Giants can become overwhelming. They're larger than normal. They're daunting. And we talk about them. We think about them, we think about them again, and sometimes we actually do something about them. Aren't you thankful that we do not face giants every minute of every day? That's just plain good news. We don't even face a giant every day. We don't face a giant every week. We don't face a giant probably even every year. Giants are seasonal, and for that we should give great praise. Giants are come along at specific times in our lives, and we face them, but we must face them with courage. But where do we draw that courage from? Where do we get that courage to take a stone and a slingshot and go against a mighty warrior, something, someone, something that's happening that's bigger than us? Where do we find that courage? Well, you're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you notice in chapter 16, David has been anointed king of Israel. Just a few moments ago, I really just sensed that when we, we were going to talk about this today, that God's really got a word for some of our children and young people in our church today. Because I believe that God is raising up some more men and women who had that courageous spirit like David who are not going to succumb to the fears of those who are older, but are going to stretch out and recognize that God can be trusted. He can be trusted to do new things in new ways with new people. God can be trusted to do new things with new ways with new people. And that's our young. Those are our young people. Aren't you so proud of our young people? Man, they are going for it. Thank you for Pastor Josiah and Michelle. They're doing a great job. Yeah, let's give God praise for that. Well, Israel is a kind of a fledgling uh, uh, country. They've been a country for a long time, but they were in, they were in slavery. They were, they were in exile. They were at all these type of seasons in their life, but now they have conquered a land, and now they're trying to figure out how to maintain it. And so they see all these other countries, all these other groups and countries having kings, and they said, we want a king. God spoke to the prophets and said, no, you don't want an earthly king. I will be your king, and I will speak to the prophets, and they will give you my word, and they will instruct you and lead you, and you don't want an earthly king because it'll lead you astray. And they complained and complained and complained, and finally God gave in and said, great, okay, you're going to have a king. 
and Saul becomes king. And Saul was an absolute disaster as a king. And as he is rebellious and disobedient to God, God sends the prophet to anoint David to be king. The problem is David is the youngest of eight sons, and the oldest is always the one who gets the charge, right? They always get the blessing. They always get the most, the oldest. I'm so thankful I got all my kids here today, and, and Tyler really just kind of reminds us that usually the oldest gets all the blessings. He, is, he doesn't do that. I'm just kidding. But it's so good to have my family here. I appreciate them so much, and we had a, a great Thanksgiving. But in this situation, it was the oldest that got the blessing, and here David is the youngest of eight, and God anoints him to be king. I wonder what the older brothers thought. We're going to find out in just a minute. So we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to jump right down to verses 22 to 24. Here we find what I'm going to just lovingly call the accident. David's kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. David left his things. David left the Ritz cracker and the cheese whiz and the boar's head salami um, with the guy who keeps the supplies. He had brought these to his brothers. His brothers, the three older brothers, were in the army, and they were facing off in battle array against the Philistines and Goliath. For 40 days, the Philistines had come out in battle array. Israel lines up in battle array, and Goliath steps forward. Now, some people say he was nine feet tall. Some people say he was 11 feet tall. I don't care if he's 400 feet tall. He was big and ugly. Well, he was big. I don't know if the Bible really says he was ugly, but I think he was ugly. And so he would just say, hey, look, guys, no sense for all this bloodshed. You just send one of your little wimps out here to uh, fight against me. I'll fight against him. Whoever wins, that's who wins the battle. Sounds good to me, right? Well, when you're nine feet tall, sure, that sounds good. I still don't understand why Israel just didn't say, we don't like that plan and just rush on him and kill him and move on and get over this. But that's not what they did. For 40 days, they would run and hide, and they would, they, would, they would try and build themselves up with courage, and yet as soon as they faced Goliath, the courage would just leave them. The next day, they'd pump themselves up again. You know, it's kind of like the team, the football team who never wins, but they always say, we're number one. You couldn't beat a high school team. You're number one. They'd pump themselves up with courage. But all it was was hot air. They had nothing to back it up. Well, here comes David. And so he's 17 years old about, and he brings his cheese whiz and Ritz crackers, and he leaves them with the guy with the supplies. He goes over to the line to figure out what's going on. Let's read it, verse number 22. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. And as he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. What's interesting about this is here David, the giant killer, the first time he sees the giant, does what? He starts shaking. He runs. He's fearful. He's like, whoa, wait a minute. What is happening here? Every day, the same thing. And now David's first day on, and the first thing that happens is he runs. 
Now, I say this is an accident. David's in the wrong place at the wrong time, but you and I both know this is not an accident. This is a divine appointment. But how many of us, if we would be honest, when we faced that Goliath years ago, when we faced that obstacle years ago, when we faced that thing that there was no way we could overcome it, what did we do? We got fearful and we ran. And it And in some circles, it is taught that, well, if you run away from your challenge and you run away from your giant, well, God can't use you anymore and God can't do anything through you anymore because you're not a person of faith. I want to say very strongly, that is not true. You may have run. I may have run. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our mistakes of the past do not dictate our victories today. The things that we did wrong in the past, the things that mistakes that we made do not determine whether we're going to have victory or defeat today because God's mercy is new every day. I feel like preaching a little bit today. You okay with that? God's mercy is new today. And so it's not an accident that he's there. It's by divine appointment, but it appears like it's an accident. It appears like, what are you doing here? You're just a teenager and we're grown men of valor. It's like, well, you're not acting like it. Can I be sarcastic today? Is that okay? It's like, what, what, this has been going on for 40 days. What's going on, guys? And David, first thing that happens to him, he also is afraid, and he runs and hides. But the word tells us in Psalm 37, 23, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. This is a divine appointment. The next thing that happens there is in verse number 28, when David's older brother brings an accusation against him. This is what it says in verse number 28. David's oldest brother heard him speak with the men, and he burned with anger at David and asked, why have you come down here? Kind of one of those broad statements. People love to make broad statements today. Why have you come down here? And then he gives specific accusations. He says, with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? In other words, David... Your job isn't that important. What you do isn't that important. You just have a few little sheep that you take care of. And by the way, who'd you leave them with, David? Oh, man of responsibility. You want to be a big shot? Who did you leave the sheep with? It's just a few sheep anyway. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, oh, what you do is not important? Oh, what, what, what you do, that, that doesn't really matter. I want you to know in the kingdom of God, it all matters. Nothing is wasted. We're in the palm of his hand. Nothing is wasted. Everything that you're doing right now matters within the kingdom of God. You might say, I don't feel like I'm doing something great. I don't feel like I'm I'm building anything. I don't feel like. But God says, no, no, no. I've got you right where I want you because great things are happening. God recognizes that in 2021, you might face a giant, but 2020 has prepared you for that giant. Did you hear me? In 2021, you just might face a giant. But because you experienced 2020, you're ready for that giant. So he says, who'd you leave the few sheep with? And then he says, I know how conceited you are. Ooh, now we're getting personal. The oldest brother says, God, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. He says, David, you, you got a bad heart and you have bad motives. You ever had somebody bring that kind of accusation against you to attack your character? 
Can I just speak a moment to the parents who are raising small children today? One of your greatest challenges and one of your greatest callings in this season, in this generation, is to teach your children that it doesn't matter whether they get enough likes or dislikes or happy faces or whatever else. If they're a child of God, they are filled with grace and hope and promise and power and potential. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about them. What matters is what God thinks about them. They don't get their self-esteem from Facebook, and they don't get their self-esteem from Instagram. They don't get their self-esteem from anyone except the one who builds up their self-esteem, and that is God and you. I feel better. So there's rejection. But all the while, this is a divine appointment. Now let's read verses 34 and 37. This is where the tide begins to turn. This is where things begin to, to get literally shooken up a bit. He says, but David said to Saul, the king, he says, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now that's important, and we'll come back to that in a moment. He says, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from his mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of this Philistine. You see, David begins to remember his past. David begins to remember when he was watching his father's sheep. David began to remember those few sheep he said, wait a minute, while doing my job of keeping my father's sheep, God taught me some things. God gave me some experiences. I was faced with some little giants. I was faced with some challenges and obstacles that I could handle at that time. I couldn't have handled a nine-foot-tall Goliath then, but because I handled the problems I could handle then, I can handle a bigger one now. Can I talk to the parents again for a moment? Let your children deal with problems. They're going to need that exercise. I feel better again. That's good. It's important that you let your children deal with their problems. Okay, turn the helicopter off. Okay. Let your children go. It's going to be okay. But they might get hurt. They will get hurt. <laughs> why did I go there? I just, why did I go there? David said, I've learned some things. He begins to pull all those things together. He begins to connect the dots. I learned some things back then that I'm using today. I learned some things back then. I learned that when you get your slingshot and you hit that bear and he drops that lamb and you go and rescue that lamb, now you have a mad bear and you better take care of it. He learned how to finish. He learned now, just don't make the bear mad. You better take care of the bear. And that's what he was going to do with this uncircumcised Philistine. He begins to connect the dots. 
He begins to say, I've learned some things and now I'm ready for some things. You see, everything in the life of a Christian does not go smoothly. You're gonna face obstacles and challenges and God is saying, I'm preparing you for your giant. These preparations are not the giant. These preparations are the bedrock of you gaining confidence and strength in a God who never leaves you and never forsakes you. He says, I've got some things for you. 2020 has prepared you for 2021, and you're going to be an overcomer in 2021 because you survived 2020. Can I at least get an amen for that? God is good. And so we begin to see that it is that struggle that causes us to grow and mature. It was Theodore Roosevelt who left the office of president in the year 1909, And then he went to Africa and he went on safari for about a year. And then he went up into northern Africa and into Europe. And he he went on a tour of giving speeches. And he found himself in uh, April of uh, of, uh, 2010, on April 23rd, in the city of Paris, France. And he was giving a speech called The Citizenship in a Republic. And part of that speech is uh, kind of referred to... The speech kind of had a a name change, and that is the, The Man in the Arena. And this is a portion of that speech that Roosevelt gave. And it really talks about that that moment of being in the arena, in the battle. And this is what he said. He said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error in shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat. You see, it is the man in the middle of the battle that knows how the battle's actually going. It is not the critic on the outside that said he should have done, he should have done, he could have done, he could have done. But it is the one who's actually in the arena. I'm thankful to be a part of a group of people who are in the arena, getting into the arena. We're going to fight the good fight. We're going to be marred. We're not going to get out unscathed. We're going to have some wounds. We're going to have some scars. I want to get to heaven and show my scars because I was in the arena. How about you? We're fighting the good fight. And so this is what the incident happens. He, David pulls together those Dots, And he says, I'm ready for this assignment because I recognize God's big in me. And then there's the evidence. Verses 45. Starting there, verse number 45, it said, David said to the Philistine, this is just good. This is smack talk. This is trash talk. But it's truthful talk. Do you know Christians can talk smack? It's okay. David said to the Philistine, he said, you're coming against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, 
the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those who gathered will know this is not by sword and spear that the Lord saves, but the battle belongs to the Lord, and he will give all of you into our hands. David says, I've got this because God's got me. I've got this because God has got me. If I'm in the God's hands, then I've got whatever's happening. I can overcome because I have the spirit of an overcomer within me. You know, God wants to fill you with his spirit today because it's the spirit of an overcomer. I'm thankful that we're finishing 2020 strong. We're not going to finish just hobbling. We're not going to finish 2020 just kind of barely making it. We're moving into 2021 with our heads held high, our shoulders back, recognizing God's got a giant for us and he's prepared us for that giant. David had learned many things, three in particular. He had learned the law. His parents had taught him what is right and what is wrong according to God's word, not according to society. Society will always change what is right and wrong, but God's word prevails forever. His parents taught him not only what is right and wrong, but what the, the law was supposed to teach Israel. David understood that Israel has a destiny. Parents, can I talk to you for a moment? Teach your children about their destiny not just what to do and not to do. Don't just a list of do's and a list of don'ts, but to say, my son, my daughter, you have a destiny. God has a plan for your life, and you're going to accomplish that plan as you follow him with all of your heart. God has a destiny for you. David didn't fully understand the destiny that he had, but he realized that just, just before this event with killing Goliath, that he had been anointed as king. He would then become the second king of Israel. He was anointed as king. He didn't really fully grasp that. It was all brand new to Israel, but he understood he had a destiny. Perhaps David un got the, the understanding. Wait a minute. The first time I saw Goliath, I run. I'm, I'm fearful. I'm afraid. But wait a minute. I, composure comes back to me. Wait a minute. If I've been anointed king, then what can this guy do to me? See, when I know my destiny, then all of a sudden I recognize, wait a minute, what, what, what can people do to me? What can mere flesh do to me if I have a destiny that God is leading me into? Do you know your destiny? Do you know the place where God is leading you? When you know your destiny, you're much willing to go through difficulties and trials because you know they are tools in God's hands to make you greater and stronger than you've ever been. And the law was taught to David. The law says Israel has a destiny. David, you have a destiny. But secondly, there were those lambs. There were those sheep, those little bitty lambs that David was there to care for. And he learned the lessons of the bear and the lion while taking care of the lambs. Can I ask you something? Do your children have lambs that they are responsible for? Are they learning responsibility? Are they learning dependence? Do they have a responsibility that you've given them? that either makes or breaks, either lives or dies according to what they do. Your children need 
the law. They need destiny. They need those lambs, a responsibility where they can learn and grow. But then thirdly was the Lord. David learned dependence on the Lord, and that's the whole struggle of our lives is saying, God, I'm going to depend on you. I'm going I'm to submit myself before you. And David understood and realized and remembered that God's full provision for my destiny will protect me in this hour. And that's what happened when he went against Goliath. David made a statement to Goliath. David made a statement to his giant. I'm going to ask you a question. What statement are you willing to make to your giant? What statement are you making to your giant? You may have already made a statement to your giant, and that was he saw your back end. He saw you running away. I've been there. I've been there. That might have been the first statement that you made to your giant. But wait a minute, you composed yourself. Wait a minute, you said, whoa, whoa, whoa. God is bigger than this problem, and I'm going to face this obstacle. It may be a relationship. It may be your marriage. It may be your relationship with your children. It could be your finances. It could be a business, your career, your education. What is the giant that you're facing? Maybe it's a neighbor who you are just, you're, you're sure that he is cousins with the devil himself. It could be. Maybe you have great neighbors. But maybe there's that one, or maybe they're all cousins of the devil. I don't know. But what is it? It is a giant, and God is saying, I've given you what it takes to face that giant, and I've prepared you to face that giant. But what statement are you making to your giant? What statement are you saying, "Uh uh-uh, no, you're going down in the name of Jesus? I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to be fearful to go talk to that neighbor. I'm not going to be fearful to have a conversation with my wife that needs to happen. I'm not going to be fearful to overcome the the debilitating temptation that I've been enduring. I'm not going to be fearful of it. I'm going to face it head on, and I'm going to go for it, and God is going to get the victory because I'm in God, and God is in me. So I'm going to ask you, what statement are you making to your Goliath? What statement are you making to your giant? You say, well, I don't want to make a statement. Well, I say trash talk. I say go for it. Because God wants you to make a statement that says, okay, listen, you're going down. I have a destiny in God. I have a destiny. What statement are you making to your Goliath? Mike is going to come up here and lead us in another song. But this is the time when we begin to recognize, okay, God, You have prepared me for what's coming next. You have prepared me for what's coming next. Some of you right now are facing a a giant, but some of you, some of us, we're we're not going to face our giant for maybe a month, two months, six months, eight months. It's coming somewhere down the road, but I'm saying today, get ready for that day when you face your giant. Today, prepare yourself for that day. And begin to say, you know what? If God is in me, I I am an overcomer. If God is in me, I will overcome and I will not be defeated. And so we begin to speak the word of God to our giant. We begin to speak and then we act. You see, it's not enough just to pray and it's not enough just to speak. We've got to pray, we've got to speak, and then we've got to act. So what are you saying to your Goliath? What are you saying to your giant? Let's pray right now. Father, thank you for your grace over our lives. And thank you, Lord, for the security that you give us. That when we know our God, Lord, we also know the destiny that you've placed within us. That destiny, that calling, that vision, that direction. 
And in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray that we would have the full understanding that, Lord, what you've called us to do and be, what you've called us to walk into, Lord, will be fulfilled. Lord, we have no need to fear anyone or anything. We have no need to to walk in fear. We have no need to, to run and hide. Lord, we can face every obstacle that you place in front of us. And in the name of Jesus, we will see victory. In the name of Jesus, that Goliath will fall. And we praise you, God, that you are the strong one in our lives. We cannot face Goliath by ourselves, but because the Spirit of God is within us, we definitely can and we will in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.